Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. All right, we're back and going right to the phones. One of our favorite contributors, somebody who always has a wealth of information for us from Tightline Outdoors, Nate Zielinski. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? I'm doing well, and I think that's like five weeks in a row I've given you a good introduction. I've got to start drinking more coffee in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but always great to have you on, Nate. You know, it's it's a tough time right now, Nate, um, for people... Um, I know we're going to probably talk about the mountains, and there is good ice up in the mountains. But for the front range, it's on again, off again, warm weather, cold weather. You know, you get some ice. You hate to send people out on some of that ice because if they're not really experienced, it's so easy to step into some ice that's just barely frozen and has a little bit of snow on it. Or if you're not checking, uh, what are you seeing out there? You know, it's exactly that. I mean, I got to say that I've been spending a lot of time on Chatfield. Um, the walleye bite is going very strong. There's big rainbows being caught. There's some smallmouth being caught. There's perch. So there is a bite on the front range, but 100% exactly. I would say that, again, we, we don't want to encourage people to go out there if you don't have some experience and or a way of checking the ice often. If you're a person that gets in the habit of just walking out there or following old tracks or seeing other anglers and think you're safe, uh, the bite is not for you. If you're an angler that's going to check the ice often, uh, I'd say there's fishable ice down there. Again, you have to use caution. So, for example, I walked out the other day, and and I walked a little over uh, a half mile to my spot. Um, Fished that spot. I had good ice all the way to that spot. Uh, It was very comfortable. And then I went to check another spot a little later in the day, uh, and I walked about, you know, 150, 200 yards from that spot, and my spud bar started to go through, um, you know, after a couple strikes. So I went from having a six inch base to having a, a less than three inch base. Um, so it's those type of things that if you're not checking with a spud bar, not drilling holes, you know, almost every step, it's going to be a, a situation. So again, we, we have ice. Luckily, we keep getting snow to insulate the ice that we have. Um, so there's a lot of areas in the front range that have good fishable ice. But again, the, the expansion cracks, the areas that froze last, um, are not the same. So I think that's the biggest way to describe the ice in the front range is it did not freeze in one piece, especially a lake like Chatfield. Chatfield froze in four different waves this year. Uh, so we had four different freeze-ups is kind of how the ice formed. So I would say we have four different thicknesses on Chatfield right now. So you kind of got to really check the ice off and know what ice you're standing on. And again, the biggest thing, we have we have two big pressure ridges at Chatfield. We have a couple expansion cracks. Um, and those type areas are, are the hardest to cross as we get these warmer days. So uh, really just use caution on that front range. If, if you, again, check the ice often, the fishing is good when you get out there. Um, but again, carry a spud bar, and, and I would say, you know, overuse the spud bar, and that's going to be the, the best way to fish this front range ice right now. Yeah, the spud bar is just such an incredible tool, this, especially, and you know, the one thing that I want to make sure people understand, you kind of touched on it too, is that the lakes have thawed and frozen in different sections, and the ice can be a little milky and cloudy, even the good ice, but it's hard to tell honeycombed ice from good ice this time of the year. You actually sometimes have to get right down and feel that ice and make sure it's good, solid yep. ice and measure it. And if you're not very, very experienced in understanding of ice, travel with a partner and have a rope. You know, occasionally people go through the ice. Ice fishing can be incredibly safe, 
but it takes common sense. You know, there is, it's one of the safest winter activities. More people die skiing and from avalanches and all those types, snowmobiling, but you just have to use common sense. And if you're not extremely experienced right now, head up to the mountains or go with a friend because somebody with a rope that's on solid ice can get you out and is usually not drowning. It's usually hypothermia. So just be very careful. Absolutely. It's basing. Use a spud bar, be careful, and just check the ice off. And I think the biggest thing, too, is just don't trust the don't trust the track is kind of what we say. But if you go out there and you see people on the ice, don't just say, oh, they're out there, so it's got to be good. Check your own ice. Walk your own ice. Some paths are good, some are bad. Again, as, as you get multiple freeze-ups, just be careful with that range ice. If you do get out there and you are fishing, um, you know, like I said, the bite's been good. So a lot of reaction fishing for the walleye. That bite's been really good. So really aggressively working jigging wraps and that style bait. Uh, blade baits are working. Even spooning's working. Uh, which, again, you know, we talk about this on the radio in the fall pattern. But, you know, to be honest, Terry, I, I kind of have less spoons almost all together in the winter months. Um, you know, I personally, I'm just so much more productive with, like, a jigging wrap or a blade bait um, that I very rarely find myself spooning walleyes anymore. But the spoon bite this year has been very good. Um, again, I'm still leaning towards the jigging wraps, the blade baits, uh, but a lot of guys out there are doing really well with the, with the spoons. So that's something to kind of keep in mind when you do get out there uh, to catch those fish. And the spoons, you have a little bit better odds of, of the rainbows, a little bit better odds of the perch and the smallmouth, um, a little bit better than the jigging wrap or the blade bait for those other species. So you can kind of turn your day into a multi-species day with, uh, with spooning. So that's something to, to definitely keep in mind. Um, and then, if again, if the front-range ice is not something that you want to deal with, you know, you just want to make sure that you're on that solid ground, um, I spent a lot of time in Antero this last week, uh, and that bite is fishing very well. I'd say the biggest thing with Antero, uh, it is kind of that mid-season for Antero. We're in the middle of the winter right now. Uh, they probably have, at least when I was there this week, um, you know, I'd probably say as of a report on Wednesday, Thursday-ish, uh, we probably had a foot to 13, 14 inches of snow on the ice, and below that we had you know, between four and six inches of slush. So you're dealing with a, an 18 to 20 inch base of material on top of the ice. Um, once it starts, you know, blowing and freezing up, I think it'll be easier walking. Uh, this week it was fairly tough walking. Um, but with that being said, we're, we're cutting off some of the light. Um, I would not say that we're approaching a winter kill factor right now. Uh, you know, in the, the next month we might be, but regardless, we're dealing with some slightly less oxygen uh, than I'd say normal. I wouldn't say the fish, uh, the, the fish are, are going strong but you definitely have to get things right if you're the patterns that you were using a month ago uh maybe in that more early ice stage the fish were taking multiple colors multiple presentations uh as long as you were on fish i would say they're fairly easy to catch uh you know say a month ago now i'd say we're definitely in that that heart of that winter to where you know if you have a fish come in and flat out ignore your bait I and mean, if they come in charging hard they swipe that miss and then take off you're, you're on the right track. If your fish come in, you see them on the graph, or you visually see them sight fishing in a shelter, if they act like they don't care, if they don't pay attention to your presentation, um, literally I would let one fish do that, and I would change it up. Because, um, again, finding that right pattern, the right color, the right jig stroke um, can be everything. Uh, we really saw a really solid presentation this week uh, fishing a, a two-rod combination, whether it's you know one person with one rod, another guy with another rod, or each angler having two rods, but using a, an aggressive jigging stroke to pull the fish in, and the fish were taking the dead sticks. We were using a bobber 
and, and a dead stick on one rod and an aggressive jig on the other. They would come screaming into the jig, and then they would avoid the jig and then take the still rod. Um, so, again, uh, I think really the big key for Icantero, even 11 mile right now, uh, again, a lot of snow on the ice midseason, really make sure that those presentations are flawless. I would give it one fish. One fish comes in, doesn't take the bait, change it up. We always hear that. Everybody asks, you know, when should I change lures? How long? Um, again, some situations and some fish, I give it three, four fish to really decide, decide and determine that that presentation is not working. Right now at those lakes, I would let one fish come in. One fish comes in, I would switch it up. And we saw everything from whites working to oranges to working to browns to working. Uh, so a lot of different kind of colors were, were working in individual spots. Uh, the biggest thing is just change it up until you build that pattern. Once you start getting strikes, um, you'll probably have one heck of a day on the ice right now. We're seeing a lot of big fish. Uh, but again, you know, everything's a little less, so so change often to build that pattern. Yeah, those shallow, uh, weedy lakes like Antero um, are notorious for the oxygen levels dropping, and they're, they're probably going to drop more before the end of the year. Um, and then they'll pick up again as we see some water start to flow under the ice and get some melting. But you have to approach it a little differently. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because we haven't talked much about that this year, the fact that early ice, middle winter, and then late ice again. But you got to be careful, you know, of course, early and late ice. But uh, it really does make a difference. Are you seeing... Uh, what do you think about open water? When do you think we'll see our, our front range open water? Three weeks, maybe? What do you? What do you? I mean, we don't know, but what are you guessing? Yeah, it's hard. To, it's really hard to say. I, I can tell you that the snow that we keep getting. So you know, the once you get ice, ice snow is the biggest insulator possible. It absolutely stops new growth of ice which we hate to see. So once you get snow on the ice, you're not building as much ice near as, as fast as you should, but it also insulates the ice that you have. We have a storm coming Monday, then we have a, a three-and-a-half-day system coming the following week. Um, with the snow that we're getting and the temperatures we have, I'm not going to say that we're going to have fishable ice for a long period, but I definitely think we're going to keep ice longer this year than we have in the last three. So I think that you're going to see ice on the Chatfield, Cherry Creek-type reservoirs, um, really until late February, um, if not into March. I don't know if we're going to say that we're going to have fishable ice that long. I mean, again, we're on the ice now, but by no means would I say we have a really solid, you know, ice cap on these bodies of water. Um, you know, so I'm hoping that we can get another, you know, uh, using extreme caution, I'm hoping we can get another, you know, week to, to 10 days, two weeks out of the ice that we have. Um, but as far as open water, I think it's going to be longer than a lot of people are thinking just because we keep getting snow to help insulate this uh, and protect it from the UV, protect it from the overall daylight, protect it from the temperatures. Um, so I think we're going to have a longer, longer ice cap uh, this year than we have had in the past for, for sure. Um, so I think that's one of those things to kind of keep in mind obviously the inlets will open up first and your know, windward side uh, of the lakes right now but right now uh, i think it's gonna be a little bit it's a, it's a weird year again we're, it'll be a, a late ice season in my opinion but not necessarily a, a good ice season per se no you're absolutely right now if some people you mentioned antero and you mentioned some of the metro lakes where else are some of the places you're hearing or maybe you're fishing yourself where you're finding a pretty good bite Absolutely. You know, so there, there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, the, the three lakes tournaments going on right now up in Granby. Uh, we have a tournament February 9th at Grand Lake. We're really excited about this. Uh, both those fisheries are kind of notorious for lake trout. 
I always tell people, you know, if you are building the ice season, um, you know, I, I really hit rainbows hard early and late ice because that's the, the probably the most vulnerable state. They're feeding aggressively. They're feeding often, um, and it's good. Midwinter, you cannot beat a lake trout bite. Um, again, they get affected by the oxygen levels. They get affected by the ice cap just as much as everything else, but they're such a predator fish that thrive in cold water. Um, you don't have near as much of a slowdown on a lake trout fishery than you do any of the other fisheries out there due to kind of a midwinter blue. Uh, so I would say that if you're trying to pick the next, you know, three weeks, four weeks as an ice angler, um, you know, the, the lake trout stuff is fantastic. You know, so I've been fishing Jefferson a lot. Obviously, it's a little bit more remote. You know, you have a five to seven mile snowmobile ride in. Um, it's extreme up there. Heavy wind, you know, extremely thick ice, you know, 30 to 45 inches. Um, so everything's kind of extreme, but Jefferson's fishing very well. Uh, Twin Lakes is always a great, fairly easy destination for lake trout. Uh, Granby, obviously, is a, is a great, you know, somewhat easy access, a lot of fish. Uh, Green Mountain, Grand Lake, and the kind of list goes on. But lake trout right now, you're going to have good ice. You're going to have good steady action of fish whether small or large fish they're all going right now in the system um so lake trout would be uh, one of my number one midwinter fish to, to really focus on i also got to say that we're probably experiencing again one of the better kokanee bites at 11 mile than we've had in years you know the last couple of years we've had good spurts um so we've had good year classes of fish and then when they kind of gather we get a really strong week to two weeks on 11 mile um and it's been amazing and then it kind of fades out we've been going strong now for a couple of weeks and i don't see it fading uh, i think we're going to have another you know hopefully another month uh if not three weeks on the kokanee bite at 11 mile right now and it is fishing very well um so if you're one of those you know kokanee enthusiasts i would say this bite's reminding me of the early 2000s uh so good year class of fish you know big fish lots of numbers of fish um you're finding them throughout the the channel system at 11 mile I mean, everything from north shore all the way down to witchers and, and deer island um so we got a really strong kokanee bite and that'd be one of those things i'd say again you know to to avoid the trip to like Blue Mesa or the extreme travel, um, 11 mile right now is definitely worth uh, worth the trip for Kokanee. Uh, again, you're going to be sitting in super deep water, but the fish are going to be 15 to 45 feet below the surface. Uh, you know, we're jigging big spoons and, you know, just keep a, keep a lot of action in the hole, draw those fish in, and you can have an amazing day uh, at 11 mile. So that'd probably be another. Lake Trout and Kokanee are my two mid-season fish that, that are definitely worth hitting right now. Yeah, you mentioned Blue Mesa. I'm hearing that there's pretty good ice up there. The lake, of course, is way down. Um, I'm hearing they're sticking some big lake trout. I haven't heard anything about the kokanee. The last thing before I let you go to how far are we away from like spinny sing and Terry all seeing that pike bite start? You know, that the, the pre-spawn pike bite, we, we love seeing, uh, you know, through the ice, like 11 mile Ontario. Um, you know, we generally speaking, see that good pike bite through the ice starting right around that February 18th, 20th, 24th, uh, right there in that third week of February is when we really see that heavy pre-spawn bite starting. Uh, and obviously, they'll carry it until we can't step on the ice anymore, uh, you know, anticipating these fish spawning on a, on a moon cycle of April. So that's kind of what's in our head is these fish are going to spawn in a moon cycle, full or new, uh, in April, generally speaking, with that good pressure system. Um, so we're anticipating the true spawn in April. That pre-spawn bite lasts four to six weeks. Um, so again, yeah, late February, uh, that third week is when we're going to put a lot of focus on 11 mile Ontario. You're fishing a lot of tip ups, a lot of big dead bait, uh, but catching some absolutely giant fish through the ice. So again, you know, another two weeks we'll start seeing it. Uh, third week of February is when we're kind of kind of full tilt on that pre spawn pike bite for sure. All right, Nate, we got to let you go. How do people find you for information or to book a trip? 
Absolutely. You can go to tightlineoutdoors.com. I will say that, uh, especially my personal calendar, uh, we, uh, we are booking up extremely quick. We had a great show at ISE. Uh, but, yeah, if you want to book a guide trip, get a hold of us now if you want your preferred date. So make sure you, you know, again, call Tightline Outdoors, your website, whatever. Uh, get a hold of Tightline. We can get your trip booked. And, again, we do have our ice addiction event coming up at Grand Lake February 9th. $5,000 cash, ton of prizes. Uh, sign up now so you uh, get on the ice real quick. So, again, February 9th, Ice Addiction, uh, Grand Lake. Sign up at the website, tightlineoutdoors.com. All right, my friend, we will talk to you again very soon. Thank you very much, sir. You Bye-bye. bet. Nate Zielinski, you're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're going right to the phones. Because we're going to talk some more ice fishing, and joining us from Lake John is Nicole M. Good morning, Nicole. Good morning, Terry. How are you up there? I bet you uh, it's winter up there, I'll bet. Oh, it's winter, all right. But you know what? We're doing just okay. Um, it, it's We're seeing snow, um, and of course, we have a lot more than we did last year, but the roads are plowed. We're still very accessible. And uh, we've actually seen a lot more snowmobile activity up here this year because we have the ground cover for them to get around the lake as well. That's awesome. And I know you and I talked earlier, and the fishing has been phenomenal. In fact, the Lake John tournament was not too long ago. You have another tournament coming up. But let's talk about the conditions up there. You know, we've got questionable conditions in some parts of the state. Some parts, I mean, there are some people venturing out on the front range here. But, boy, you really have to know what you're doing. And it could change almost daily. But up there, you've got pretty stable ice conditions, don't you? We sure do, um, and we've been stable for months now. We got ice early this year, um, you know, towards the end of November, and it's just continued to grow. Um, in fact, we're sitting at 22 inches today on Lake John, and the Delaney Buttes are floating between 21 and 23 inches solid over there. Now, on Lake John, when you get enough ice, they're allowed to drive vehicles, uh, not only snowmobiles and ATVs, but even your truck out there. Is that right? That's true. Uh, Terry, that's true for Lake John and the Delaney Buttes. You can take vehicles, snowmobiles, ATVs out on on these lakes up here. Yep. That's awesome, you know, because we always preach mobility, and you can only be so mobile pulling out. Now, I fish Lake John just pulling my, my, my portal shelter behind me. In fact, I posted a video that we'll talk more about later on my YouTube channel, on my Facebook page, uh, just a day or two ago that was filmed many years ago, but it showed us walking around and it showed us doing different things on the ice there. But you do have options for mobility when you get up there. How has the fishing been on Lake John and some of the surrounding lakes? Uh, fishing's been really good. Um, we're seeing a much larger size fish out of Lake John this year than we did last year. Um, everybody knows it was uh, killed off seven years ago, but it's making a good recovery. And the average size fish coming out of here is just so much better this year uh, than last year. They're they're growing back up to, you know, that 17, 18 we're seeing very common. Yesterday, I actually measured in three 21-inch fish. Um, so we're just seeing a better fish out of here this year than than last year, and it's it's been active. They're hungry. Um, uh, the Delaney Buttes are fishing good too. They, um, you know, north is always you can't say north is active. It just isn't. But uh, when people fish there, they're pulling out monsters. You know, with that being the gold medal metal, uh, trophy fish, there they're just when when we see fish out of there, they're big monsters. South on the other end is 
a little bit more active. And people are seeing um, little smaller fish this year out of South Delaney than than usual. We see like an average size of 16, 17 inches, but it's active. It's good and active like Lake John. Great to take kiddos to because you're going to catch fish. Sometimes North Delaney, you got to wait a few hours to catch a big one. No, you're right. Well, you know, when you're hunting big fish, it's always, you know, and that's one of the things about ice fishing is that people like action because they're out there, they've dressed, and they've got shelter for the conditions and all those things. But it's still, it gets a little distracting when you're not catching. You have to have patience. You know, when you say you're getting a bigger size, you talked about the length of the fish at Lake John. They also tend to fatten up pretty good. Are they pretty hefty with weight, too? They are. We're starting to see those, you know, Lake John footballs that people call them. Um, they are, they're eating good. Okay. There's that stickleback minnow in here that uh, they've been trying to get under control for a while. And I'll be honest during the tournament, uh, a lot of them that were measured in were spitting those minnows up. So it's definitely a competitive uh, fishing when, when they're feeding on those so heavily, you got to get a little more creative to get them to bite, bite sometimes at, at your lure. But um they're, they're good and fat because they're eating really well. And you said access is good. The roads are plowed, good ice. You can drive out there. I know there's a tournament coming up again here pretty soon, the Delaney Tournament. Is that right? That's correct. The Delaney Buttes will uh, have a tournament February 2nd, which is uh, next Saturday, and it is all three of them can compete east, south, and north. All right. And, of course, you're located. Uh, do you have any cabin or RV spots open yet for that, or are you filled up? The cabins are filled up. I do have two campers out that um, that are available that we rent out, and also I have plenty of um, electric sites for people to plug in, and then we give them access to shower house and bathroom up here as well if they pull their own RV in. Well, what we're talking about, let's tell them what, tell describe your facility to people in case they don't know. Sure, absolutely. So we have a general store bait and tackle lineup here, um, groceries, you know, in case you forget anything, and then we also have four cabins available they're kitchenette cabins that we run out and we have a full campground uh during the summer it's full hookups water sewer and electric for the winter months we can offer electric sites and again access to the shower house and and restrooms and uh we are actually tomorrow setting our ice hut out so we're going to start running some ice huts here on lake john we'll have options of fully loaded for those of you that don't have everything you need to go ice fishing but want to try it and we'll also go ahead and rent out the hut empty if people have stuff that they want to bring but want an actual wood hard shell hut on the ice. And you mentioned this is a wood hard shell hut that you guys position for people, right? Correct. And if people want to see that, I know you guys uh, saw it on my Facebook page, but there's a, a video I filmed there many years ago, but it's very, it's very similar to that. If you go look at that video, you'll see me fishing on Lake John, both out of a portable shelter and out of that hard side hut. And what a great opportunity, you know, especially if the wind's blowing a little bit, you don't have to worry about your portable tent and your position well for where the fish are. It's really comfy in those and if you're renting both gear or bringing their own gear, it's just a great way to experience ice fishing, isn't it? Exactly. And and we uh, get a lot of requests for it. We got a lot last year, and we're receiving it again this year. So we uh, decided, okay, we're going for it. We got our permit, permit uh, passed with the state to go ahead and put them on the lake, and we will be starting that tomorrow. And, you know, by the way, your cabins and RV spots, they're so far from the water, I don't know why anybody would stay in one because – 
if you if the, if it wasn't frozen, you could probably cast out the window. <laughs> That's true. They were pretty close. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's such it's so easy. You can walk off if you're staying in one of the cabin R V sites. You can go out early in the day catch some fish, come back in and cook yourself some lunch and head right back out refreshed. What a great opportunity. Tell them how they find more about you before we let you go. Absolutely. You can uh, find our website at lakejohnresort.com. We're on Facebook. Look up uh, Lake John and you can always call us for any additional questions or information at 970-723-3226. All right, Nicole, thank you for joining us this morning. And it sounds like a great ice fishing destination. It'll probably be that way for several months yet, I'm sure. Yeah, I think so. Thanks, Terry. Appreciate it. Thank you, and thank you for joining us today. That's Nicole M. from Lake John. Really great people. They took it over a couple of years ago, and they've just really, really even taken it to another level. It's just great up there. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll change things up a little bit as we talk some shooting with J.R. from Colorado Clays on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You know, you should know better when JR's on the line than play the Eagles, because if I'd make anybody wait while I listen, it would be JR. Best American band of all time, the Eagles. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, and we will go right to the phones where JR from Colorado Clays is waiting to talk to us. Good morning, JR. Good morning, Terry. You'll have to do better than that to get rid of me, though. Yeah, well, we, I figure we don't want to get rid of you. We just want to trash talk you a little. So, <laughs> hey, You're very good at that, Terry. Yeah, you know, speaking of talking to people, though, seriously, um, I understand your interaction with people at ISE. You were just overwhelmed by the people. Uh, yeah, Terry, and I'm, I tell you, first thing I want to do is thank all the folks that came to the Colorado Clays booth to talk with us and, and discuss um, future shop shooting opportunities. Of course, Terry, it's always good to see you and Karen and all of our friends in the outdoor industry. But I got to say, uh, probably my favorite part is meeting with these folks who had no idea that they were so close to Colorado's premier public shooting facility, which is, of course, Colorado Clays. And, you know, Terry, no matter what shooting opportunity they were looking for, whether it was rifles, you know, pistols, traps, skeets, sporting clays, um, we offer that state-of-the-art facility uh, open to the public. We're here year-round, and i got to say it's just always a great opportunity to welcome more people to the Colorado Clays family. Oh, you're absolutely right. And, you know, seeing you at the ISE show, they get to understand that you're not just, just a range, that there's... There's good people to interact with. There's so much at the facilities. I mean, you talked about the different types of shotgunning, the rifle pistol, but then you also have people there, if you're a beginning shooter or even an advanced shooter that needs some help, you've got people there that can work with them and help them, don't you? Yeah, and that's one of the greatest things about our facility, uh, Terry, is our people. Um, whether, Like you say, whether you are a beginner or an expert, uh, chances are one of our staff, our instructors, somebody uh, is going to help you out and make your experience and, uh, you know, what you're trying to achieve, your goals come true. And that's really um, our biggest goal here. 
Now, you and I talk a lot about um, accuracy and how to be a better shooter, and that it's a perishable skill, that it takes practice. And we've talked about some different things. What can you do, let's say, maybe to your firearm to improve your accuracy? Well, um, Terry, I'm glad you brought that up because I do believe a while back we did talk about what a person can do individually um, to improve accuracy. I think we mentioned, uh, you know, proper stances, maybe uh, gripping your pistol, you know, having the right sight picture, trigger uh, trigger squeeze drills, that type of stuff. Um, We talked to the rifle shooters about, you know, a good rest, maybe some breathing techniques and, of course, that trigger squeeze. And if I'm not mistaken, I think shotguns, we talked about how important that forward stance relative um, to your target presentation, your head in the right position, and getting those sight pictures were. But like you say, Terry, I think the next progression um, in the, you know, that, that quest for accuracy is alterations to your gun. And uh, we could go on and on, but really good examples, I think, would be, let's start like the pistols, um, you know, changing those grips. I think you've told me that you've done that. Uh, on your gun, and that can be the difference between a, a comfortable fit and a gun that doesn't feel quite right. And of course, trigger works out there. Uh, a lot of the guys will get timing work done on the the cylinders on their uh, revolvers, their sights, scopes, and of course, uh, all of the modern guns come with some uh, adjustability to them. And uh, there's never anything wrong with a professional gun fit. And really, that's all in the interest of. Um, shooting where you look, making that gun come up where it needs to be every time. Um, You know, there's choke tubes on the shotguns, and we could go on and on, but uh, some of these things can be less necessary than others, uh, but they can all make a difference. And, Terry, I must bring one other thing up on that note because I got to thinking about this. A lot of people are out after the most accurate load for their gun. And in talking and, um, you know, having done this for so many years, um, let's start, say, for pistol, the distances are short enough that generally the load is not a factor. Now, in some of the longer barrel guns, you can actually find a more accurate load, and particularly in some of the target pistols. But we all know, like, for example, rifles, um, different bullet speeds, different powder burn rates, uh, bullet weights, which contribute to, of course, your ballistic coefficients, all can um, be more or less accurate and largely depending on the the rifling twist in your barrel. So something that's very important if you're trying to be the most accurate and looking for that load is experimenting with some different ones. Uh, On the shotgun side, of course, choke selection, uh, your ammo and your choke uh, combination. I think we proved that last spring in our turkey clinic. And then, of course, lead versus steel and velocities, uh, all are contributing factors there. And I must say one that um, is really important, Terry, in this world of high velocity, you know, more is better, faster, better, more powerful. Um, One of the side effects of that is getting beat up by recoil from your gun. And oftentimes I have found the most accurate load is actually the one that's most comfortable to shoot. And that is because of, like we talked, that recoil anticipation and flinch that's caused by heavy recoil, so something to consider. No, you're absolutely right. I couldn't agree more. I want to go through a couple of the points you made, but first of all, 
you talk about the ammunition you shoot. The, if your buddy even shoots a similar or same gun to you, it doesn't mean your gun's going to shoot that ammunition the same way. You might, like you said, if it's a rifle, it might have a little different, a little different rifling in it. If it's a if it's a handgun, you just might have a little different barrel length, even if it's very similar. Lots of little things or your grip. And with a shotgun, a, a difference in choke or barrel can be so uh, so different in the way you swing. So you have to shoot the ammunition and experiment with your gun because you're gonna you need to find the ammo that performs best in your firearm. One of the things we run into with uh, handguns a lot is finding uh, ammunition that functions well because say you're practicing for self-defense, you need ammunition. You know that when you pull the trigger, it goes bang. And not only, but it has to be accurate. So, you you know, just getting the heaviest, greatest load, like you said, isn't necessarily the best. What functions in my firearm and how comfortable? Because you're absolutely right. When people aren't comfortable, they don't practice enough. Yeah, and, and that's exactly on point, Terry. Um, and there are so many variables, and each person, each gun, each ammo choice, and the work that they decide to try and do is a culmination of the effort to achieve their, the best accuracy they can. And like I say, some things may make a huge difference, some not much, but if you're looking for every advantage and trying to be the best you can, uh, consider all of those. And I'll tell you, a few minutes with one of the experts out here um, can really pay some dividends. Well, and I, I, you brought up one point earlier, and that was fit. Whether it's a rifle, shotgun, or handgun, the way it fits you can be so critical. A misfitting gun, you're always thinking about where your aim point is and how the gun is functioning. You're you're looking around to find the sights because it doesn't come up properly. I can tell you when I bought uh, some of my last handguns, I fired four or five different models of handguns till I decided on one that I felt worked best for me. Now, it's very important for me to get it right because I have to shoot against Karen, and she just seems to pick something up and hit the target. So I have to work hard at it, you know. Yeah, and you know, Terry, I heard from a reliable source, I won't mention her name, um, that in the pistol range and on the boat, Karen might be the expert. But uh, Let's not get carried away. I still have the switch to turn you off. <laughs> True, but, you know, and Terry, another thing, too, a lot of these folks um, only have the one gun or only want one gun, and they want to do the best they can with that gun. And of all the things, and and like I said, some things are less necessary and more luxury, and other things are um, the best thing you can do to increase accuracy without overdoing it and gun fit whether it's in your hand whether it's on your shoulder uh is probably the single most important one if you were going to focus on something well to shoot consistently i think without doubt and you mentioned my handgun um the one i my favorite handgun the one i have the most shoot the most um i've had a it's a it's an m&p uh shield and it's from uh, smith and wesson and I actually, um, I, I love the gun. It fits my hand so perfectly. But I added some uh, grip uh, uh, surface to it that makes it a much easier gun to hold so it doesn't move around in my hand. And then I had the trigger adjusted so that the pull of the trigger was very smooth and non-interrupted. And uh, I, I've got 
three handguns that I shoot on a regular basis, and no matter what I'm doing, when I pick that gun up that I've adjusted to me, I'm on target. I just shoot it the best, even if I don't shoot it as often. And that's the way it should be with the fit of a gun, whether it's a shotgun or a rifle. Hey, I'm going to have to let you go, but before I do... I want to talk. Are you starting to get your stuff ready? I know you're a big time fisherman. Also, you getting that anxious for open water? You're starting to put line on reels and stuff. Yes, I am, Terry. I uh, actually got uh, several of my reels lined up um, a couple days ago, and I'll tell you what. While I'm in there and I have those evenings in the shop waiting for the weather to open up that water, I go ahead and lubricate my reels. Uh, I've been kind of tearing down the box and doing an inventory on my tackle making sure my uh, hooks are sharp. I mean, I just, I'm going through my first time out um, ready to go mode right now. And I'm glad I'm doing it. Well, I, I, Getting ready for open water fishing is almost as fun as fishing. I go through everything. I, I go through my tackle, and Karen isn't listening, so I can say I, I discover I have a couple rods rigged I forgot I had rigged and a few lures that I forgot I had, and I say, i got to use those this year. But it's the most ready I ever am because as I go through the season, I never quite get stuff put away the same. Agreed. Agreed, Terry. And I'm uh, doing the boat next. Um, going to be doing checking the oil get, uh, i went ahead and charged my batteries you know it's always good to uh, periodically charge a battery that sits i think they recommend once a month so i'm staying on top of it this year i'm not messing around well remind me uh, next time you're on to tell you my battery story because we got to run right now but thank you jr okay thanks terry you that's jr from colorado clays you can find him at coloradoclays.com and what great people and what a great facility they are um, we're going to take a time out. When we come back, I'm going to talk about getting ready for fishing and a few other topics right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. I want to wrap things up, but I want to cover a couple points with you. First, we talked quite a bit of ice fishing today. And we talked to Lake John where they have 20-some inches of ice, and they're driving their trucks out on the ice, and, and it's probably fairly safe. We never say there's safe ice. I always check. I always make sure what's going on, know the conditions, know where you're going on the ice. And then we talked a little bit about local conditions. You know, you get up around 11 Mile and those places, it's pretty good. But uh, Nate mentioned Chatfield and some of the lakes around here. There's been a lot of off-and-on warming. You really, really have to know what you're doing if you're venturing out on these lakes. Uh, it's very difficult to tell the quality of the ice right now uh, because uh, it thaws and freezes and thaws and freezes. We get a little snow on top. The good ice stays covered with snow, and it's very solid. But then there's areas that barely froze, and they get snow on them, and you can't tell the difference. If you're going to venture out, you need to be checking almost every step. The best way to do that is with a spud bar. If you don't know what a spud bar is, it's a long chisel device that you hold in your hand, and it's heavy, and you use it to hit the ice. If you want to find out about that, um, my um, YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, has a show that I did at North Michigan Reservoir. It's called First Ice. And we talk about some electronics. We talk about some lures we're using right there. And we catch a bunch of fish up there. But we also do a segment on that video where we use a spud bar to check the ice. It's very early up there at that point when I did the show. And then I talk about the colors of the ice, what I'm seeing, how I use the spud bar. Also, if you are very interested in what we talked about in Lake John and renting those shacks, those uh, those hard side 
fishing huts that they have up there or renting fishing gear. You can see uh, an example of that. I just posted a video from Lake John. It was filmed several years ago when uh, Bill Wilcox and Tish were still the owners up there. But the people up there now, um, Nicole, and uh, they're just great, great people. Um, but it shows you those hard-sided uh, shelters and how you can fish out of them and how comfortable and fun they can be. So, And it also shows some presentations we used up at Lake John that were very effective in catching fish. So that's posted on my Facebook right now, on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors at Facebook. You've got to scroll down a couple. You'll see a little note about the fishing at Lake John, the fact that Nicole was coming on today. And by the way, you can get the podcast of that by going to 1043thefan.com and going to my page. But the video is on my Facebook page. And you should follow us on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook because we do a lot of that kind of information up there. I also feel, I know Nate thinks we're going to have ice on the front range later. I'm not so sure. Some of the big lakes, as long as we keep insulated, there's probably going to be good ice or ice at least where it may be difficult to fish them or there won't be open water available. I think a lot of shorelines and even some of the big lakes and a lot of the small ponds are going to open up very early this year. We're going to get another stretch of warm water weather after a couple days. The sun is getting higher in the sky. The direct sunlight is, is warming things a little quicker. I would start looking for open water. When you see castable open water by shore, the trout fishing on the front range should start just really taking off. I would go to the stocking report, find lakes that were stocked fairly significantly in the fall. They were probably anticipating an ice fishing bite and then having some holdover fish going into spring. Well, a lot of these places didn't get much of an ice fishing pressure. These fish haven't been harassed for months. They're um, very, uh, let's just say, naive. They haven't been conditioned to anglers. They're, they're going to become active, especially the trout, uh, first off, as this uh, ice recedes. And you'll be able to catch a lot of those trout right from shore. And then after that, you'll follow. You'll see the walleyes and the bass and the crappies will start moving to shore, staging for pre-spawn. But initially, that trout bite with spoons and different types of bait, power bait is great, a little jigs with uh, some gulp minnow or pieces of gulp, ice fishing jigs under a bobber, just a great way you're going to be able to catch these trout. Or even a fly rod on the lakes where you cast into the open water can be incredibly effective. So we got a lot going on. Just be extremely careful. Um, if you do venture on the ice, make sure you're checking it. Also, if... Uh, it's not going to be long. You're going to see kayaks and float tubes on the small ponds around, too. And take advantage of that. But the important thing is, Jay and I were talking about, get your gear ready. Be ready for open water. If you've got monofilament on, string, uh, pull it off. Put new line on it. Number one thing is make sure you have good line. Everything else, you know, you check and fall in place. But that's the key. We're going to wrap things up for today. We'll have more for you next week from 9 to 11 right here. Thanks to Kyle for keeping things running. Thank you. Thanks to Karen for making me sound like I even know something and being the expert when we go fishing and shooting but thanks to all of you for listening and being part of the show and we really appreciate all the things you say we're going to sign off and we'll let the eagles oh by the way mike evans is coming up uh he's going to be up at the games up in the mountains you may want to stay tuned for that mike's an old friend love him to death Uh, we'll let the eagles take us to the top of the hour on 104.3 the fan